to Drummers Only Radio. Drummers Only is the UK's leading drum shop with store locations in Glasgow and Leeds. Our podcasts are full of interviews, gear reviews, and much more from the unique perspective of a drum shop. The show is hosted by two pasty Scottish dudes who talk real fast. Whoa. Slow down there, Braveheart. So here's Chris, the Glasgow shop manager, and Adam, the social media manager. Be sure to like, subscribe, and let's do this. Welcome. Thank you for doing this, man. This is Drummer, Drummer's Only Radio, episode 46, I want to say. Oh, excellent. And it's ah. so good to have you, man. It's been a while since we've seen you. It has been a while. Thanks for having me. Uh, when was the last time I was over there? Um... Uh, the, last, the last clinic was 2011. Wow. Yeah, wow. Ten, 10 yeah. years ago. But I think... I think you'd come in afterwards with Ted. I did with Ted McKenna. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I have a great photo of him and I. Uh, he showed me stuff on a practice bed. Uh, yeah. I, where did we see that recently? I saw that photo recently and I can't remember where it was. Was it on Instagram maybe? My Instagram probably. Yeah, 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 yeah man. man. So that, that's a special one there. Miss him yeah. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't have a mass. I, I knew him from here. Mm -hmm. And I knew he's playing. What a player, right? Jeez. Yeah, and actually, I was supposed to see him in, in like a month after uh, his passing. He was uh, supposed to play the whiskey uh, there with Michael Schenker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. I did see him prior a couple of years before that. But Yeah. Yeah, so, man. He was yeah. like, you know, a Scottish royalty right there, right? For real. For real. Like, legitimately yeah. I mean, amazing. he played with all the greats, man. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. a, a real loss to the community, you know? A real yes, loss. Yes, it is. Um, so, I've, I've, you know, you've had quite the career. 20 years man like you, you've you've played 25 some... now is that <laughs> wow man yeah, wow going, man. so well my first the first tour i did professionally was 1989 with exodus wow so that's the that's i've got to frame this for you that's the year my wife was born <laughs> oh right you make so me feel especially old that's great thir 31 years so it's been 30 years because i i uh right after that i was working with charlie anthrax tour and exodus opened up for them on the Headbangers Ball Tour along with a Halloween. And that's when Tom Hunting couldn't do the tour. So they seen me sound check, you know, doing Charlie's drums. And uh, they're like, well, we should get Johnny to do it. And <laughs> I never played that type of music before. That's the funny part. And like, uh, yeah, I watched it and, and yeah, I, you yeah. know, I really appreciate it. But actually playing to it? No. Yeah. No kidding. So I watched and I watched a lot. Perry Strickland came in from Violence to fill in for a few shows. And then we had a tour booked. Um, wow. You know, without even rehearsing, I had to go up to uh, Oakland, California, and uh, and rehearse with them. My drums were sent there, and wow. like, well, good luck on that. And it went well. And our first gig was in Lemoore's in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. my hometown in New York. So, Amazing. yeah, man, that was pretty nerve wracking. But uh, you know, the guys are great. I had such a blast with them, and I learned a lot. I really, uh, it was a challenge for me. Honestly, yeah. Was that seat of your pants? Like first rehearsal, kind of never played yeah. this kind of music. Just yeah, in. yeah, and I just listened like days off on tour, you know, airplane to the songs and really honing in on it. And mm. I never played like when I had to learn a song. And this goes for any band I've been in. I never actually played my drums. I always airplay to the songs. Oh, wow. Like I was in the situation, and, and I could change my setup around, you know, in my head. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, there's got to be a lesson in that for people because that would mean that you're just 
you're not relying on what the drums are. You you just kind of figure the song out. Yeah, exactly. I have it in my head, and I, I'm just playing like I'm playing live in a concert yeah. situation. I just I I done it as a kid, like you know, because I couldn't <laughs> play at nighttime. So I play in my bedroom with the records very loudly with the headphones on, <laughs> with like cool lighting, like lava lamps or something. And, and you know, I was playing a Black Sabbath. It was on Bill Ward's kit, of course. Yeah, it was the big white, you know, big Tom in the middle. So yeah, I mean. It, it's it was kind of like that's how I learned a lot. Man. Do you know it worked for me? Stuart Copeland talks about it because he what he said is that you never air drum badly, you play it perfectly, so it teaches you right. how it should sound, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, makes you know? sense. So absolutely. So over the course of all that, then how's your playing changed? Um, well, it actually made me a better from playing with the thrash music. Would you say, like, from the, the sort of from that point in your career till like now, over that arc? How's I've it been changed? very, I've been very, uh, I've been very blessed. I, I was able to play with a lot of great bands. I mean, Exodus was the first, and from there I went into Testament, which is still thrash, but not as heavy as Testament. More groove, mm -hmm. and that was more my style of a groove player. You know, mm -hmm. more into the rock. You know, heavy rock, Cozy Powell and Bond mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I, I you know I got into White Zombie with the the you know the program and the loops, and that really mm -hmm. let me lay into it more groove oriented to Rob Zombie. And then uh, Helmet, which uh, I, I started playing Odd Time stuff, which was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, that was very challenging for me yeah, from man. going from that single bass drums. You know, just a single kick, yep. no click track, no nothing. So it was just very raw and organic. So now I love that, you know, from playing with a click for so many years with Zombie and going into Helmet, that was that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And then going into the cult from there. And, you know, I love the cult. I grew up, you know, I seen them on electric tours. It's, it's so incredible. <laughs> like, you know, I'm in this band yeah. 15 years later and I'm the longest lasting guy they've ever had wow. at this point. Yeah. Wow. I broke the record. Amazing. Amazing. Congratulations. So well, thank you. It sounds like it's a bit of um, maybe this is the wrong thing, but it's like you learn what to take out or you learn what to keep in or, you know, you just sort of treat each thing as its own thing. Basically, like, yeah, because I came in later a lot of the gigs and drummers prior to that. And I try to keep the songs to the original the mm. format to what they obviously adding, you know, because I hate going to see a drummer who, you know, uh, who replaced a, one of my other favorite drummers or something. And mm. he played it totally differently. I'd be like, why'd you do that? And yeah. I love when drummers can try to, you know, just keep it to, you know, to the songs that we know, the parts and everything. And obviously do your own little twist to it. But you know what I mean? Yeah, there's something in that because you don't know who's in the audience that's like dying to hear that drum fill. Because and there it is. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Could then, you imagine someone playing Tom Sawyer differently? No, nah, man. It's like it's the first thing I thought of was like the intro to rock and roll or something. Can you imagine someone uh, that, you know, like you're just not yeah. going to do that, you know? It ain't going to work. No, it's not. You know, they, they, when they were finding a drummer, they went through everybody and settled on his boy, you know, because he knows exactly what to do. You know, That's right. Exactly. And, you know, you join a band like The Cult, who'd been around for however many years before that, those those drum parts are kind of locked in. And I really kept it true to like, well, Mark Brzezicki, who's a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. um, you know, we did the whole record, all the record basically at this point, we did the love tour. And, uh, mm -hmm. and Mark came out to, uh, man, when we played Royal, uh, Royal Albert Hall, it was yeah. so great. He uh, wound up playing a couple songs at the uh, at the encore, and I'm sitting <laughs> on the side of stage drinking a beer, man. This Amazing. Is, watch him play my drum kit. Easy and so life. I kept it. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Mark's in his own. Th I mean, I played it as close as I could, you know, but, you know, Mark has his yeah. style. And the same with Mickey Curry on Sonic, uh, Sonic Temple mm -hmm. and, and as well as last last one or, you know, um, uh, electric, you know, just really 
ACDC kind of raw. Right? Yeah, man. What's it like filling it or joining a band that has a legacy of of these great players? You know, is it is it a is it a nerve wracking thing? In the beginning, I mean, I just went in there pretty confident. Like I said, I was a fan of the band, as I told you, mm -hmm. and I knew the songs, and mm -hmm. I kind of knew. And at that point, I really had nothing to lose. I'm like, I'm gonna just go in there and do my best. And mm -hmm. but it was pretty amazing when you were jamming and Ian Asbury's in front of you, <laughs> and you hear these songs singing like, and there's yeah. Billy Duffy with his Falcon going, wow. Yeah. This is incredible, man. But it's exciting, you know. Yeah. And I and I still I pinch myself sometimes when I'm on stage. I'm going, dude, I'm playing with the pole, <laughs> man. These guys are legends, you know. So yeah, and it just makes me play better. And especially when you're interacting on stage and getting into it. Yeah. And you were supposed to audition for them like '93. That's right. And I was about to say, uh, I I auditioned from 13 years prior to yeah. getting the gig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My friend was managing them at the time, Ron Lafitte. And uh, he was like, hey, they're looking for a drummer. They have this new single, The Witch, which mm -hmm. Rick Rubin did. And, and he sent it to me. I'm like, wow, this is cool, man. I like the direction of it. And uh, I, was at, I was with Testament at that time. And, uh, and it, they were in L.A. where I, you know, I was living. And because um, I would have to go commute back and forth to the Bay Area at that point. Right. And I'm like, this is convenient. And um, I always loved the cult. So I'm like, he goes, oh, I think you'll be perfect. You have the sound, the look, the playing, blah, blah, blah. So I learned all the songs. And like I said, I was really confident. And my friend drove in the audition. And remember, this is before cell phones or anything, right? Mm. It's a hot day in summertime in L.A. Driving me to Third Encore Studios. He drops me off. And so um, I was like, oh, I'm here for the cult gig. And the woman, oh, they're not here. I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> no, no they're, they're done auditioning. I'm like, how is this possible? So I had to find a freaking payphone, you know, find some train. <laughs> so I could call my friend, like, what's going on? I'm at the audition. He goes, I have no idea. Those guys are in their own thing. But you know what? It, it was meant to be because if I would have taken a gig at that time or gotten the gig, I wouldn't have been with White Zombies. So, you know, yeah, right. timing is everything, man. I've been very lucky and fortunate to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Was it, is it, uh, when opportunity meets um, hard work or something, you know, that kind of thing. That yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, there's gigs that, you know, um, like just recently I auditioned for, well, you know, just not audition, but kind of jam with some really cool players. But I just felt like it was great, but it wasn't it wasn't my thing, you know. Hmm. I mean, if I wasn't doing anything, it would have been great. But I already mm -hmm. have a couple different things right now. I'm like, you know what? I feel comfortable where I'm at. And, uh, yeah, for you know, sure. someone else will get it and uh, they'll be really happy that they got that, right? Yeah, right. There's plenty of drummers that need gigs. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I've, I was reading about what people have to say about your playing and um, you've been described as having um, sort of power and finesse. Is that something you've always worked for? Or is it something yeah. that came naturally? Like, how would you go about that? Working naturally. That? I mean, just growing up with the guys I did, Bonham, um, mm. you know, Cozy, Bill Ward. I yeah. wanted big drums, loud. I just, you know, and, and competing with my friends when I was a teenager, they were so <laughs> friggin' loud. And I had to play as loud as I could. And, yeah. and it just became like a natural thing to me, like very uh, athletic. Mm -hmm. And then, then, you know, from there, then, then it, later on, especially with the cult, it really taught me how to play more finesse. Because yeah. I was always just a pounder where uh -huh. Billy's more, more melodies and, you know, just lighter playing. And, and, and I, at, at the end of the day, it saves you, man. You know, right. I'm older, it saves my hands. 
It saves me from calluses. And, you know, right. you, when you have a good sound, man, they just turn it up. There. I'm not saying playing very soft. I'm never going to play like that. But there's moments where, you know, then, then when you take it to that level, you really yeah. overdrive. And then, like, you know, the finesse, that's where that comes from, you know, I think. Would you, like, get the practice pad before the show and, and warm it up and so that when yeah, you get when you yeah. hit the stage, you're not tense, things like that? Yeah, you usually I do. Like, I'll hit the pad for, like, good 15, 20 minutes. And, and you know, sometimes I won't. You know, it depends on my mood. And, and obviously do the stretching with the hands and the right. arms, you know, loosen that. And, and definitely in the forearms, I do that a lot. Like, acupressure, it really yeah, right. helps. From any yeah. cramping and whatnot, so I, definitely. I think so much of that gets overlooked by guys, man. They don't do it enough, or they just. No, they you just, have to. Right. So, like, let's say the older you get, and hydration is a big key too, man. Really, because you know, that's when you get tight if you don't hydrate. And yeah, you know, I, I do electrolytes before I go on stage. Oh, really? For real? I do. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I have cool. a water thing on stage, and yeah. Yeah, so. I've, I've heard like Carter Bofer drinks salt water before he has. That's great. Stage. You know what? I mean, there's a lot of things. You know who used to drink was uh, Vinnie Paul used to drink pickle juice. <laughs> really? And that has a lot of electrolytes. And wow. I, hit, he's, I was on his bus one time. For him, I think it was because he was hungover, you know, to kind of get the, uh, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. fun. Yeah. Terror boys. And he goes, try this. I'm like, whoa. And all of a sudden, I like it. I'll just grab a pickle and I'll start downing some pickle juice. And, <laughs> but it's good for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody has their thing. There's a company I, uh, uh, my friend works for called HDX and they make a great product. So, right. and, yeah, I got to do my gotta, scoop every day. <laughs> you got to keep in shape. Yeah, I mean, like you know, um, it depends on. I don't really hit the gym in hotels. I mean, when I'm home, I do, but obviously mm. from the lockdown, everything's closed or mm. reopening. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't. For some reason, I don't like hotel uh, gyms. I'm just, you know, I, mean, you know, I don't know. I just never yeah. been into it. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll stretch in my hotel room, do push-ups, and or before mm. the, the show, and just a lot of stretching if, yeah. if I can, if it allows me and stuff. <laughs> for and, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When you were over here in 2011, you talked about, like, even though you've got this power and you can hit the drums hard, you, like, never break anything. Like, you don't break cymbals, you don't break... I used to break a lot of cymbals. And, th right. and that was that was the difference, too, like, from... Um, I think my style, it just evolved and as a, you know, more finesse and, you know, just mature drummer, where hmm. I didn't have to, like, bash cymbals. I mean, like, kill them and... And then, yeah, it's more about like, you know, as, as the, the old guys like Bonham, I mean, he didn't really kill the cymbals, you know what I mean? Uh. He just swayed them and stuff. And uh, that's where I learned a bit more and I, I hardly crack the cymbal anymore. And, and then I le also learned with the top, with that, you know, with the felts and, you know, on the cymbal tops and on the electric tour, I, I did it like Simon does with no felts or anything, just wide open loose. Oh, really? Yeah, just so they could sway a bit more. Yeah, and I right. like thinner cymbals than I used to play heavier cymbals back in the day. And, and I feel I find that the, I love the uh, Zildjian Sweet K's. They work for me. And for real, incredible tone. Um, they just feel really nice. Um, just laying into the cymbal and and they just have a lot of flexibility. I just absolutely love that cymbal. Yeah, they've, when they came over to the UK, they've just blown up. People yeah. love them. You know, I'm, I'm so glad Zildjian brought them out because we used to we sell the Sweet Ride, the, the Avidas Sweet Ride. It sells like nothing else. Yeah, it's a great ride. I have one. Yeah, yeah man. But everybody was like, are they going to make it in K? Are they going to make it in K? Are they going to? And then eventually, you know, uh, they, they are just so good, man. They've been so bad. They sell so well. Yeah, I, I actually, I use the K medium ride because I like the ping on that one. For sure. And uh, yeah, I have the sweet ride. The sweet ride's not great. And uh, I just did something from a little video thing, you know, on the, on the, like the odd sizes because I, I like odd sizes and 15 hats, like 19 crashes and stuff.
Those are yeah. like my favorites. Uh, but yeah. man, those symbols are insane, man. Really? Yeah, I'm kind of like that. I like the I like the odd sizes, man. There's just a little bit. Of, I done a little bit of magic in a seventeen nineteen, you know. That's what they did the seventeen nineteen kind of yeah, blend, and man. they sound really nice together. I For mean, they're sure. all great, but I think at odd sizes in general, I'm just a little bit odd, maybe. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like I, I have that my kick drums are uh, well fifteen by twenty four, like Simon oh, Phillips. I wow. like the odd size, and I also like seventeen by twenty four too. So what what do those sizes give you instead of like sixteen or eighteen? Uh, I mean, it, it's there. I mean, the fourteen to me, I like a fourteen by twenty six, but mm -hmm. I just that fifteen, the, the sixteen, maybe it's just the setup and the, the look of it all. But that extra, net, I mean, I wouldn't think it's drastically different, but I, it works for me, man. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Do you does that do you affect how you tune them then when you change the sizes like that? Yeah, a, a bit. Like when they're more shallow, I could kind of like tune them. Um, uh, down a bit more, you know, Where, yeah. like if they're like, I do have uh, 18 depths on them. So I like to tune them a bit higher to get more response out of them. Yeah. So on the shallow sizes, you could definitely get that real slap out of them. You know? Yeah. It was Bonham did that, right? You tuned them high. And I believe Bonham, his first maple kit was a 15 by 26. Wow. Okay. I believe yeah. that was his size. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause yeah. they used to tune them different back then. It, oh, he tuned his stuff super high, man. Like yeah. his basement with nothing inside of him. Yeah. And I, ha I have an acrylic uh, Ludwig seventy four <laughs> amber, like his, like the real deal. And I tune it high, and you could hear that sound with the, really? black, the clear black dots. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, the bottom. You have to have a speed king pedal though to do it. Man. You know? <laughs> they've they've just brought they've just re released them. They've brought them back. Them. They out, look man. really nice. Yeah, I have yeah. an old one. My, my brother just got me a. Uh, uh, for for my birthday last year, an old speaking. Does it squeak? Oh yeah, you gotta have the squeak, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Put a, put a microphone down beside it when you record it. Oh so you... yeah, <laughs> I love it. Get the tin can. Let's go. Uh, so, when you've taken over the chair in any band that you've been in, has it been difficult to win fans over? You know, like because the metal fans can be like. I don't think so because no? I, I I think. Um, well, I've been real fortunate, like I said, working with Anthrax and knowing the guys. And I knew, I knew the guys before in Exodus and, and Testament. Mm -hmm. And I think the fans seen that, like we're buddies and all. And, you know, maybe they just and and then again, I'm not going to play like Tom Hunting, but, you know, that's a yeah. very difficult to drum in a copy or, you know, just emulate. Um, but. Well, with the fans, I never had a problem, I don't think. I mean, there's always going to be like, oh, I like this guy's style better yeah, than this. But, right. you know, but if you play it true to the music and the songs and, you know what I mean? If, yeah, I get it. I, I think, and they hear it as, you know, just the whole full thing, man, especially live at a concert. They get it. Yeah, I, I, I would hope that's so. That's what I do. And yeah, that's for sure. I am, yeah, know? yeah, for sure. You were a drum tech, right? That's what I'm saying, for Anthrax. That's yeah, how I yeah. got the gigs. I was Charlie's yeah. drum tech. And Exodus opened up, and as well as Testament, they both see me soundcheck. I got that's how that's how I started my career, basically. So, there. so what did that teach you about playing live or recording? Did you learn a lot by doing that job to take forward? Yeah, and just watching Charlie, and, and besides even live and seeing how you know how he kept himself in shape, and you know, and that's it's pretty vigorous the, doing that style of drumming, you know. And yeah. uh, Charlie handle. I mean, I would hand him a towel; he wouldn't even be sweating. Like, how do you do this, man? Be <laughs> yeah. like uh, dying up there. But besides that, and um, and in the live situation, also in the business sense, I, I watched mm. uh, how he controlled everything, and I learned mm. a lot from him, you know, as do a drummer. You, do, 
do you think that business thing's missing for young guys just now? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a whole different time, man. Um, yeah, like I mean, there's so much. Like I mean, it's great. I mean, where you you have these tools, like you could you know do lessons and whatnot on Zoom and you know recordings and I mean. I mean, it's it's incredible. For me personally, I like the one-on-one situation. Yeah, I think it's... Being in the room with players and just feeling it and interacting and all. So. Yeah, I mean, well, if you're teaching a lesson, you you can hear how they make the air move if they're playing a groove and how it feels really That's differently. Right. You know, it's... Absolutely, yeah. I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's tough to do it all across like this man you know yeah. it's, it's but changed. i mean we we had no other choices really right i mean no, it, it's, it's sure. a great thing to have and doing this i mean like come on man oh yeah yeah i mean yeah this is like but i think it do you think it would be tough to do a clinic like this yeah for me i have to have like you know to to look at someone like you know <laughs> when i do clinics and yeah that, that that's a big thing for me like seeing people in the crowd and like yeah. you know how, how they're you know acting and you know or you know reacting to anything and like you know and especially if there's a small kid and he's like, you know, rocking. I'm like, oh, I'm going to bring it to this little guy, man. Yeah, so, you man. know, yeah. You can see the whites of their eyes and all that. Yeah, so there's nothing better than live, playing live and, no. and having a crowd there. So, sure. And it's actually, as a matter of fact, I was able to jam a couple songs over the weekend. I, oh, I, I right. flew out to Dallas and a friend of mine has this school called Rock Stars of Tomorrow, a rock school for kids. And Grant from the cult, the bass player, he teaches there, got him a gig there. And then Bumblefoot and Jeff Scott Soda were doing a clinic. Wow. So Michael, my friend's like, well, Grant says, like, you guys should do a jam. So at the end of the, the clinic, we jammed a couple songs. And, uh, you know, oh, I played Ozzy Crazy Train and, and then On Fire <laughs> Van Halen. But it felt good to jam and people loved it because they haven't seen anything in a while as far as live music. So yeah. that was nice, man. Yeah, oh, good, man. Yeah, you just I hope it comes back. I don't know that it'll ever come back the way it did. Or the way it was i don't know but things are actually opening up here i'm, I'm not sure how it, how is it out there right now well it's funny you ask we actually got to open the store this week on monday like for oh, the wow. for the first time since december holy wow yeah so we, we've been online we've basically been an internet store for the last four months wow so, and, and you know it's been great because we've had tons of people come in because there's still an appetite to come and see drums, man. The smell, the look, yeah, the <laughs> feeling, touch them. Oh, yeah, yeah man. man. Was, and like, yeah, like, good for you guys, man. Pe people don't want to buy symbols on the internet. No, they, you, you, you know? have to hear them, man, especially a yeah. Zildjian, too. You know, they're yeah. all different. So Absolutely, you have to man. play them all. But no, that's great, man. Yeah, things are really opening up out here. Like, um, so we're almost on the yellow tier next week where we might be. Um, there's shows happening and stuff. Well, I was just going to say, are you going to get back to shows then? Well, there's talk about us possibly. Well, I hope, fingers crossed, in August doing some shows. We had uh, makeup shows that we missed. Yeah, right. The last show we played was December of 2019. So. Wow, man. That's man. like... It feels like 10 years ago, man. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really hoping like by August and uh, we could continue and things will open up at that point. But I don't see any festivals in Europe happen this year, right? No, it's a tough one, man. There's a lot of people. Especially there, now, yeah. because you have to really uh, advertise. I mean, it's only a couple months away, right? Yeah, and, and I don't know that people will want to be in a crowd that big. Nah, it's going to take some time. I yeah. Think, yeah. Would you guys do like seated shows, like theater shows? Would you do that? Yeah, I think there's talk about amphitheaters, the outdoor shows, mm -hmm. the venues, and obviously and having distance between. Like Red Rocks or something? Oh, I love that, yeah. man. That's one of my favorite places. As a matter of fact, hold on. Look at this. Oh, we're going on a journey. Sitting right here. Hold on. Oh, wow. What is that? It's, it's a piece of Red Rocks. So when no you way. sell out Red Rocks, they give you this, right? Can wow. You see that? I can yeah. see that. 
That's we amazing. Did, we played the Rev 3 tour a couple of years back with um, STP and Bush and then they called the Triple Bill and we sold it out. And it was and I actually we I, we played there. That was my third time. We played there also at uh, White Zombie Pantera twice. Wow. Like, yeah. So it's a special place. Wait, August 19th of 2018. Man. Coming on three years. Wow. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's actually a piece of the rock, man. That's How cool amazing. Is that? So yeah, those kind of venues like amphitheaters. Yeah, like that, yeah. So. so, has it always been easy for you to switch hats? Like, and what I mean is, like, you've gone from playing loops to playing full out thrash to playing more groove stuff. Has that been easy for you, or have you had to shed and work hard? Or well, yeah, the first time, like I was saying, um, with Exodus, the first time playing it, I really had not shedding, but listening a lot yeah. and really and 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 Tom being a lefty drummer and thrash. I mean, he does stuff backwards. I'm like, how do I do that? <laughs> uh, he's one of the one of the best, and I mean, you know, he's going through a a, a big thing right now. So, yeah. but yeah. he's gonna beat it, and uh, I can't wait to hit a new Exodus record. I was talking to Gary. But um, besides, yeah, but 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 that was the, and then Testament. I found I I knew their material a bit more than Exodus. I mean, seen them play, but I I really like them both bands. But Testament was easily uh, easier for me to get into to adapt right. to. Not yeah. that it was easier music, but it was just more of my style being grooved. And yeah. then White Zombie was like straight up my style. It was like yeah. Bonham groove, like more human than human. That was a Bonham beat. I was just yeah. playing a Bonham beat in rehearsal. And Rob was like, keep playing that and recording <laughs> a four track. And that became the song basically. Off the oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Did it feel strange to play that kind of music on a click? Like, cause you, I no. think, no. What happened was when we wrote that record, there was no click track at all. We just, we, we were in a, just like, just writing the record in, in a small little room. And that, and at the end of it, um, Charlie Clouser came in like a week prior to the record and he did all the like the program and like mm. blah, 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 all, all the backing music with mm. a click. Then we had to rehearse with the click. I'm like, oh, shit, I never played through a click before. <laughs> but to be honest with you, with that kind of music, it made it easier for me because I'm playing on top of something. Yeah, so right. when I was recording the record, I had a great mix and playing. That. I was like, oh, this is awesome, man. <laughs> I, oh, I loved it. It made it so much easier. And like, you know, you don't miss it. And then I learned how to play play to it, um, you know. Pretty well um, after the years, like where I could play on top of the click or behind the click. It yeah. takes time. You just can't, you know, at first you're nervous. Oh, the click is like, it's not your enemy. You know, it, it helps you. So Yeah. Like me. Yeah, totally. So was it, someone said, like, think about it like a percussion player, just play it a cowbell. Absolutely. You know, yeah, just yeah. like, you've just got the best percussion player right beside you. You know That's what, what I'm saying with the music. Yeah, and yeah. Charlie's, his programming was insane. You could hear it on the Astro Creep record. There's some <laughs> great, great underlying drum grooves, like bottom grooves and stuff. Yeah. So it was fun. Yeah. So did you get to like create the parts on that stuff or did you, were you kind of asked to play certain things or how did no, we, we all wrote that together? I mean, they, they had some, um, demos i heard before you know they were playing around with it but mm. we did that pretty much from scratch you know the astro creep record and i was just doing my stuff and yeah that yeah, was that, that was, was a lot that was fun like feel really cool to to be let loose on it you know yeah be, you know it that. was yeah and i just felt like you know when i seen white zombie before i mean um nothing against phil the drummer but he was kind of a lot like they need you know seeing them like mm. they just need someone with that power to give them that kick in the ass and uh, yeah and that's what i felt and when we were writing the record i just went and and rob he was really he wanted people to dance to the music right. so that was like so the drum beats was a big part of the sound yeah man and, and trying to capture that energy in the studio right that that can be tough especially on on music that it needs it 
you know it really needs yeah. that kind of that lift off you know mm-hmm. how, how did you get that energy and like to record with i've always it's something i've always found really difficult well, like I said, you're talking about recording with White Zombie, right? Yeah, like, but to bring the energy and to make it sound more energetic, but you don't speed yeah. up or slow down, you know what I mean? Well, it had a lot to do with the program, like I was saying, with Charlie's right. loops and everything, and okay. having a great mix, and having a great drum room. I mean, once you have a great sound, and um, and you have a great mix going, with, and Jay and Sean were in the room with me recording mm. um, with the loops on top of it, and the drums I had were incredible. <laughs> I just... Um, this is right, right when I was, uh, I just joined Tama. Oh, wow. And, okay. uh, and Jeff Chonis, he was the owner of Drum Paradise mm-hmm. and he brought down a star classic prototype kit with grand star lugs mm-hmm. and the bass drum was Simon Phillips's, uh, white art star bass drums I recorded with. Oh, wow, man. Yeah. So that's pretty cool on that record. And then, then he had a bell brass, the eighties bell brass. I'm oh. like, <laughs> I have to get one of these. And so, no, and when I'm, so, and going into recording at energy studios and, and just, you know, when you walk in there and you sit behind the kit and you have a sound that's like so big and you just feel it, man, it goes through your, your bones, you know what I mean? <laughs> and and the, I just bring it out and you give it your best take, man, you know? Yeah, man. Give it all you got. Even when you talk about it, it just brings you to life, I, man. The whole I know, thing I want to do like... it again. <laughs> <laughs> usually, I'm usually like the first take, but you do a second one. I'm usually good for the first two takes, you know, after right. three or four of it. Like, I just did a record with Rob Caggiano. Do you know him from uh, no. Anthrax Volbeat guitar player, oh, okay. producer? Right. right. So we have a project. Um, yeah, it's really metal again. I, <laughs> I wound up doing it in October. I flew to New York and, you know, during the lockdown. But, you know, I was able to fly out there and we locked ourselves in the studio. And and uh, I can't wait to hear this record. And it's like something I haven't done since like Testament Low record and oh, like, wow. a lot of double bass. But yeah, this yeah. guy killed me. He won like 10 <laughs> takes. I'm like, I'm going to, you're lucky this drumstick doesn't go through the glass in the studio there, man. Oh, uh, man. Absolutely. Beat after yeah. that, right? Yeah. No, it's cool. But, you know, I mean, if you capture the thing, but, you know, but you want to grab that energy as well. Yeah, man, that's hard. Like, I, I've always struggled with that. So I, I, it's, it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about it. Like, after about four takes, we out, we done, you know, let's I mean, move you on. Capture, even if it's not, per, I mean, like, so I love those old drummers. Like if, even if you're a stick click or something, you're a Bill yeah, Ward, right. yeah. but it's that energy, man. you know? Yeah, for sure. That's the for best. sure. Yeah. I've got to switch gears a little bit. Um, All right. I've been really into Easy Drummer too, like mm-hmm. lately. And I got to see that they put your name and, and you, you on one of the, the, the Easy X's and you did a whole session for them. That must have been so cool to do, man. It was, and it was very tedious, by the way. Yeah, right. I've heard that. I've heard, like, hit the snare drum, hit it again. Oh, yeah, but when I'm bringing 12 snare drums in <laughs> and, like, you know, 12, 14 cymbals and, and three drum kits, like yeah. each one, like the hi-hat, you know, with your foot is, you know, you know, heel up, <laughs> heel down. And I'm like, oh, man. But you know what? Um it turned out great, and people love that program, man. They do because it's just super easy to use, man. It's mm-hmm. super, and and you know you've got your own signature snare in there, yeah. so that that's got to be cool to know. Like people are sli- or they're picking your drum. It's great, man. And people send me like their songs, like, dude, I use your. I, I, it's like you playing in my band right now, and it, it's it's so great to hear. And like and 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 the stuff from the, the people are coming up with her. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's 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 pretty serious. Uh, sounding now man they they can make it sound like oh well we did it in uh well the drums were recorded at henson studios which, which was that's, the old a and m and that man, drum room right. Was, right i did the testament low record there too. wow okay so it's like going home right yeah and the anthrax recorded there too um 
I mean, I've been there a million times, but it's one of my favorite studios. So that, that was a pleasure. And then work with Andy Sneap. And That's it. I was trying to remember his name. There. Oh, I love Andy. And it's the work with him was a pleasure. And those guys are just awesome. As a matter of fact, I just uh, I just recorded a song that my brother wrote for Graham Bonnet's new solo record. Right. And um, and my brother did, uh, wrote the de- uh, the demo with my drums on Easy Drum. No way. So, no way. That's what so, just- Yeah. He came over the house. We jammed on my Roland V drum kit. And I, I I recorded it live at my friend's studio, and it's I, it's really cool because my brother's like very Michael Schenker, you know, oh, really? the Grand yeah. Bonnet He's Schenker got some, thing. Got yeah. some chumps, and, and I and I, I brought a bit of Ted in there. Ted McKenna <laughs> had a gimmel, you know what I mean? Ah, uh, yeah, it's your you have to, you have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Um, it must have been cool working with. Was that the second or third time you'd worked with Andy? You'd worked with him before, right? When you did that project? Well, no, it's the first time. Um, he mixed the Testament record that I recorded. Oh, okay, right. Okay. So I yeah. never, I never recorded in person with him, but this was the first time, and we just had a blast. Yeah, I love that guy. I think if I remember, I watched the, the documentary thing, and he 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 asked for you, right? Is that yeah, how, yeah, yeah, which is because he knew I had a, a like a, a lot of drums, and on top of it, I played different styles of music. Yeah, and he, he, obviously, if he mixed that record, he knew you're playing. It was like. I know that this guy is the guy for this, man. Yeah, that was like that was really nice of him to think of me. So yeah, brilliant. Um, what is the best piece of advice you were given as a young drummer, and how did it shape your career? For me, just listening to music and buying music, buying and and different styles of music. And then when I got older, I was really fortunate to study with uh, John Spina, my first drum teacher, and mm-hmm. when I was like fourteen, and he see he took me to a lot of shows when I was really young, like. I seen Steve Gadd play like 14, oh, 15. Wow. I seen Weather Report play with Jaco Pistorius. And so I seen wow. a lot of fusion and stuff. My first yeah. concert was David Bowie in 77. That was what, 12, 13 years old. And so I've seen a lot and going to shows and, and just meeting people and, you know, just getting that feel. When, there's nothing like seeing a live show. And for me, I remember and, and, um, going to see Jethro Tull when I was 15 at Madison Square Garden. Nobody wow. wanted to go. So I went by myself. I asked my mom, <laughs> like, hey, can you give me some money? And I took the train all the way downtown and I scalped the ticket by myself. Right. Amazing. And um, I'll never forget this. And I was like, I bought a shirt outside and, <laughs> and I was the first person in line. And I ran up to the Madison Square Garden inside and I, I was sat behind Barry Marbolo's kid. I went behind. It wasn't covered. The blue Vista light giant kid. And. And it was Terry Bozio opening with UK with his Roto Tom. I'm like, what is that? And anyhow, it blew my mind. I'll just never forget the next day I woke up at nine in the morning. I ran over (laughs) to my drum teacher's house ringing his bell. I think the best thing ever. So like, you know, seeing something live, it just, oh man, it it changes you, man. And and you want to see more and more. So I would have to say studying and um, going to see shows and just listening to music, different styles and, you know, just yeah, broaden your horizons, man. You can really tell how passionate you are about it because it, it comes across, man. What's been your favorite show you've ever seen then? Wow, there's just so many of them, man. Um, well, Bowie has, well, just my first one with Dennis right. Davis on drum. What tour? That was live stage, which would have been like station to station, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, Fame and oh, man, TBC 1-5, all the good stuff. And I remember, I'll never forget because I had uh, we had seats on the side of Madison Square Garden and um, he had North Toms, the North drums, uh-huh. but with Tama, like regular floor toms, the bass drum. Then he had these two big Swiss cymbals above <laughs> the floor toms, and you could hear it like on Heroes and stuff. And and it's still implanted in my head, like seeing that show. And and we became friends, man. Like, oh wow! I, I met. Th- I'll tell you a quick story if you have, you know. Oh, this all is the time. One of my you, best you go- stories. So, um, my buddy Marco Sicoli, he was a Vic Firth rep, mm-hmm. and um, you know. 
back in the day. Yeah, but everybody knew Marco and everybody would go see Marco at Manny's Music on 48th Street. And he was a man. And then I think I went there at the time I was going to do the David Letterman show with um, White Zombie or mm. Rob Zombie. And so I would always go, first thing I would do, go visit him. Hey, what's up? Anyhow, I'm walking around the shop and looking at drums, checking stuff out. And all of a sudden, Marco goes, hey, Johnny, do you, you know Dennis? I go, no. I go, Dennis Davis. I went, you're the first drummer I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. He goes, dude, I love your playing. I'm like, get out of here. You know, it's like, it's just, wow. I, I had the chill. I had the chill that I was just talking about. <laughs> so anyhow, a couple of weeks later, we're actually playing in New York. We're doing our show. It was the first um our first New York show for the Hellbilly Deluxe Tour, Rob mm -hmm. Zombie. Mm -hmm. And I went back to the same place and who would I run into? The same guy. And he goes, we're playing tomorrow. And he goes, I want to come see a show. I go, really? I go to Marco. Is he, is he really going to make it? He goes, yeah, put him on a guest list. So, which I did. And it was just a big show for me. It's a New York hometown show when like Tommy Lee and Nikki Six are there, my family and friends. <laughs> wow. So I'm ready to just take it down. So before the show, I'm getting ready, getting warmed up. The security guy goes, hey, I just want to let you know, uh, there's a guy, gentleman down the stairs by the name of Dennis Davis. Once you know he's here, I was like, wow, he's wow. here. So honestly, <laughs> dude, I had like the best show, right? And afterwards, I was getting ready. You have to walk down the stairs, to, you know, to greet, open the door and greet your you know, guest. And so I got all ready. So I walked down the stairs, opened the door, and there's Dennis, the first person I see. Wow. He goes like this to me. He bows down to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I get the chills every time, man. And I'm like, I mean, and so that's the first drummer, the first concert I've ever seen. And, you know, and then we became friends after that. That's like the best meet your heroes story. Like they say, it is. they say, don't meet your heroes. Yeah, but, but he like great. that's the best one, man. You became friends with your hero. That's yeah, I know. And I, I, when I moved to, I moved back to New York um, years later. And then we, we stayed in contact. I went to see him play. Yeah, yeah, man. Poor guy. Rest in peace. Yeah, and, right. Uh, what an incredible drummer, man. If, yeah. if you don't know who he is, yeah. get get like, you know, station to station. I mean, like, oh, God, you know, young Americans, all that great yeah. stuff. I mean, Absolutely amazing. We have a forum on a Facebook. And so yeah. we asked some of our customers to ask you questions. So I have three okay. questions from three customers. So I'm going to give them a shout out and then okay. ask your question. So the first one is from a guy called Kevin Mooney. He's a longtime friend of ours. He'd have been at your clinic. And he asks, given how many influential rock and metal acts and artists you've played with over the years, including Tony Iommi, what lessons did you learn working with them? Oh, man. Yeah, well, hi, Kevin. <laughs> First of all, uh, playing with Tony Iommi, it's like, it was one of the, the most proudest moments for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, being Black Sabbath was my favorite band ever growing up. And um, yeah, playing Ozfest. And he seen me play and asked me, you know, if I would be interested in playing a solo record. And it was Ozfest in 99 and we had a few days off. And so we went on the tour bus on his bus to uh, Boston to record these songs. Wow. And Chino from the Deftones was, was oh, no we were all three of us on the, on the bus and drinking some wine in the back and just <laughs> hearing stories from Tony. But the next day we're all set up and he plugs his amp and he's right there. I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this, this is, just, is this a dream? And then, uh, yeah. And, and I did this big fill in, in the song, the Iomi song. It's uh, it's like a Cozy Powell tribute, like a big, <laughs> and Tony just, you know, smiled at me. And, oh, man. I mean, just, you know, there's nothing like it. I mean, playing with your heroes and, and you know, um, yeah. it's very fortunate to do that. Yeah, for sure, man. It's just, I don't know what I would do. Like, I, when I was growing up, my biggest, my favorite band were the Smashing Pumpkins, right? So, oh, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, right? But if Billy Corgan was like, do you want to come jam? 
I think I'm like, oh, no, no. Because, like, <laughs> like, how do you sit in for Jimmy Chamberlain, right? Do you know what I mean? I would be so nervous. Oh, yeah. You just got to give it your all, man. Just as your one shot. You guys just got to think about that. Listen, you mm. know, you dreamt about this your entire career, you know, and it's like, I'm on the throne right now, and this is my one shot, so I'm going to give it my all. If yeah, I get right. it, great. If I don't, at least I proved it to myself. And you gave it your all, and that's basically it. No, I was going to say, have you always carried that idea with you? It's just, you can just yeah. just be you, yeah. right? There's other stuff out there. It's not, it's not the end of the world. I mean, there's a lot of musicians, and maybe, and I always think about it, maybe it's just not meant to be, you know, mm. something bigger and better for me, so. Well, the next question is from Ross White. And he says, do you feel you had to alter your personality to fit with the characters you've come across in your career or were you hired because of your ability and personality? <laughs> I'm never <laughs> going to change my personality, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm from the Bronx. I still talk like I'm from the Bronx. You know, I've been in L.A. so long, but, but the Bronx is not coming out. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with uh, both, to be honest with you. Right. Personality goes a long way. And having experience, and for me, like being a drum tech and being on the road since, you know, at 1987, and, and you know how you know how to adapt. When right. you're, when you're in a, a tour bus with, with, you know, different, everybody's individual, they have different, you know, things and uh and so uh yeah it has a lot to do with that man sometimes like don't be the annoying guy and so right. I'm to myself and you know it has, <laughs> and everybody's different man you know some some people you don't get along with some people you do and but the, the one thing that counts is when you go on stage and and make sure you bring your best to everyone and the crowd knows that yeah the crowd the crowd aren't stupid and they'll see that if there's something there's something wrong up there yeah but, right. uh, yeah just try to give you your best and but it does have a lot to do with it. It's like just being a people person. And, and, and like one thing, I've never burned anyone. And, and thankfully, like and, and all the bands I've been in, I'm, I'm still friends with every band I've been in. So I never burnt any bridges or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, well, that must be good to know, right? Like, it has a lot to do with it, sure. Because you never know when, you know, something might happen, a reunion or just, or they want you playing a song again. Yeah. You just never know, man. And that Bronx thing's cool. It's like, it's like Scottish people, man. You just It sounds like you just don't care you're just going to be yourself that's it you know that's like, it well you know andy buchanan my my one of my best friends in glasgow <laughs> uh, it's like, and, he, and he's been in the bronx and like it's very similar to it and growing up in, with the anthrax guys and frank bello and i we went to high school together we're in the right. jazz band so wow. that's why i love glasgow man i can't wait to get back out there yeah man for sure mm -hmm. So yeah. the, the last question from a customer is from a customer called Luke Doran, and he says, you've worked with multiple bands and different styles. What do you do to change with them but still maintain your own style and put your own stamp on things? Yeah, like I said earlier, um, just try to stay true to the song itself. And um, I just think it's, you know, when you, when um, depending on what, what band you're in, but just playing it and then feeling comfortable. I'll try to play it as close as I possibly can, but then... You know, when you feel it's like, okay, I'm going to try to change this up without ruining it or getting that look. You know what I mean? That <laughs> that one look, like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and uh, yeah, just just um, you know, and putting your stamp. Obviously, when there's a signature thing, it's it's going to be you. And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, if if it's a triplet or, or whatever, man. But uh, mm. depends on the situation. But yeah, I mean. I think it's just like, and knowing the parts, you know, and w w maybe your fill would fit better than the the other drummer's fill, you know? Right. And yeah. sometimes I'll hear something that I think would be better for that. So Yeah, right. Do you pick like, that in do, there. You, do you pick different gear depending on what it is? Did, like if you were to, when you joined the cult, did you pick different gear to suit the gig? I did. Actually, uh, on the first, on the first tour I did in 2006, 
Um, I just went, you know, just bottom set up 24, 13, 16, 18. Mm -hmm. But then later I, I added a 26. I wanted to kind of go a little bit bigger. Yeah. Then I'm like, all right, that's maybe too big. <laughs> and I did a 26 on the Rev 3 tour. I had my my uh, Mirage kit, the Tama Mirage. And oh, yeah. They, they were great. The smoke, 26, 13, 16, 18. They look great. And sometimes the 26 gets a little like, you know, too thuddy and want more punch. And so, yeah. And on the last, we did the, the last run we did with it was a Sonic Temple tour. And uh, then I brought out a little bit bigger kit. I, uh, right. I wanted something different. I, I had a 24. I did a 10, 13, 16, 18, and then a 14 Tom on the left with a high oh, hat. Wow. So yeah. I could, yeah, it just, just made me kind of change my style a little bit more. Thinking more of um, uh, Mickey Curry, like, um, you know, what he, what he would do or whatever. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? It puts I you in a different, a different atmosphere. Yeah. Talking about like older Tama gear. Oh, wow. That's an oldie. Yeah, it's made in Japan as well. It's, it's a royal star. Um, so I think it's wow. not too dissimilar to something Copeland would have used. Yeah. I don't know my history, but I know that you're a big Tama guy. So, and that was sitting like right there. So I had to. That's awesome, man. That's, that's old school 70s. I, I have a nice old um, Imperial star kit I picked up. Oh, really? From a friend of mine. He worked at his drum shop in Kansas City, and it's clean. It was an 8, 10, 12, 16, 22. Wow. And like 400 bucks. I'm like, oh, dude, send it over. You know Hell what I mean? Yeah. So I bought it. And all of a sudden, it just added. You know, <laughs> a friend of mine had a 24 I got, then a 15 Tom, then an 18 floor Tom. <laughs> and so basically, my kit now is it's like a Nico McGrank. It's a, oh, wow. a, it has an 8, 10, 12, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18, 24, and the 22. Oh, wow, man. That's a big set of drums. And I had two 18s, and Joey Castillo was looking for an 18. <laughs> so I'm like, so I get, I traded something for him. So he's happy. I'm happy. We're all happy. So, yeah. Do you, do you love, like, older, old school drums? Is that a thing? I do, yeah. I, I Just everything in general, man. I mean, uh, I love old sonars, old Ludwig's, yeah. Gretsch. I love old premieres. Um, yeah? Yeah. I yeah. mean... God, just Rogers. Yeah, I go on reverb sometimes geeking out, but I have too much stuff. I'm like, no, I, no more, no more. And I'm ordering a new kit soon. This is going to be a big oh, wow. one, too. And yeah. you, guys, you guys have got like Drum Paradise, so that must be great to just go and hang out and see all that old gear and stuff. Well, yeah, and there, there's... Um... Yeah, there's a few places. I haven't been to Drum Paradise in quite a while, but I just go to Dr uh, Pro Drum. Ah, uh, Pro Drum. That's the one I was thinking of. I yeah. Yeah. yeah, Drum Paradise is more of a rental, but Pro Drum is 10 minutes from here oh, wow. in Hollywood. And uh, yeah, hang out with the boys. And I, you could spend hours in there. It's like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. And that's the closest thing I had from being in New York, going to Manny's Music and stuff back in the day. I mean, the Buddy Rich's kit's on display up there, oh. man. And you see all the old photographs, all the drummers. It's, it's, it's really special. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves how important that is for the youngsters when they come in the store. Yeah. The first time you go in a drum store is actually quite a big deal for me and, and I, I was just talking to my brother about this um the first time i was i went to manny's music it was probably i was 12 years old 1976 it was wow. when it was during christmas time all the lights were out in new york city <laughs> and uh yeah my brother's uh godmother brought uh him and i um we uh, we took the train down and i remember seeing manny's music and, and at the time it was all ludwig vista lights and they had the tivoli kit with the with the lights <laughs> And I was like freaking out, man. I ran inside the store and there's a lot of the kids. I'm like, and, and ever since that, I'll never forget that day, man. And that was no, it. Of, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So the music story, when I see music, I, I just, it brings me back, man. It, yeah. Like, you know, your store as well, man. You know, just any music store, just, you know, just being 12 years old. 
for a guy of your caliber and your career and your history, it's really nice to hear because you can have whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, all you have to do is phone your Tama guy and be like, let's look at some new drums. But they're like, no more. <laughs> <laughs> you have enough now. But it's like you're right. you still value that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, oh man, I remember seeing being a kid, seeing like, wow, these guys get everything for free. And like, wow, man. And you have to buy it. But you know what? And and honestly, when I buy something, you appreciate it more. I mean, it's yeah. great. Listen, I'm not gonna complain getting nice, great gear for my companies, but when if, if I buy something older, such as a pedal, I've been like collecting pedals for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> my, my friend has a, a drum store in on Oceanside, California called Drum Flip. And he has a lot of used stuff. And like, wow, I remember having that old Yamaha pedal or Pearl pedal. And like, so like, you know, I have to have it. <laughs> so, right. it's, you know, but it, it just brings me, I think what it does, it brings me back to when I was a kid and, and I just, sometimes I just, and I have old catalogs and I'll just flip through it. And, it, you know, it's like anything, like when you hear a song, it brings you back to that place, right? Yeah, it's That's exciting. It's exciting. It is. And, and it, I just think it just does that for me, man. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, if people are looking to find you, apart from your website, what kind of social media, where can they find you on, on the uh, internet? Insta- Instagram's probably the best. Well, Facebook, Johnson Pasta. Instagram, Johnson Pasta. And it's, that's it's, pretty, I don't do Twitter or anything else like so that. It's, yeah. it's, it's just your name. There's nothing else on nope. there. John, Johnson Pasta. And uh, before I go, I want to tell you, but uh, we're just finishing our mixes for the Motor Sister record. Oh, this My other band, that's with Scott Ian. Right. Uh, his wife Pearl, uh, Jim Wilson, incredible, and Joey Vera, Amazing. you know, Armin Saint, Fates yeah. Morning, and we're really, uh, really proud of this. And, and I, ju- we just finished. Well, I just finished my drum tracks right before the lockdown happened did, out here. When does the record come out? Um, well, we have a few more mixes, so we're going to discuss this tomorrow, actually, for Jim's birthday, uh, and great. you know, work out a plan. You know, have the artwork and photos, and get the vinyl together. So. Well, I'm really excited for everybody to hear this. It's a really cool record. Amazing. And we recorded at Dave Grohl's studio. Oh, wow. Six of, drum sound, great. And I used all <laughs> the sweet all the sweet Ks, my Tama Star Walnut kit with my snare. And massive, man. Sounds well, great. Be sure to send us a link when it's out and we'll share it and we'll let people know, man. We'll let I definitely know. will. Yeah, do that, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Listen, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my it's, pleasure. It's great, great talking to you again. You and too, I, man. I hope to see you guys again soon, man. Yeah, if you, if you make it back over at any point, just come and see us, man. Absolutely. All right, All right. brother. Have you a great take care. One. See you, see man. Guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drummers Only Radio. You can find us online at www.drummersonly.co.uk. Drop us a line. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Drummers Only UK. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Any questions, info at drummersonly.co.uk is the email. Or if you need leads, it's leads at drummersonly.co.uk. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Drummers Only.